0: Guy here with a quick message before we get on with the pod. As a thank you to our most dedicated and loyal viewers and listeners to Blood Red, we're inviting you to join our Blood Red Club. By joining, you'll get access to insider transfer content, as well as interviews with former favourites and those connected at Anfield. All you need to do is head to bloodredpodcast.co.uk, enter your email address and our exclusive content will head to your inbox. That's bloodredpodcast.co.uk. Thanks. Now on with the show.
1: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to today's edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I am your host, Mo Stewart, brand new to the building but excited to be involved in podcasting almost immediately. Uh, I'm joined by my friends for this week, Matt Addison and James Martin. And we are going to be having a big old chat about the euros and what that means for Liverpool transfer policy in the past and in the present maybe a bit in the future as well so we're going to be discussing where it's gone well where it's gone badly and who we've had our eye on over the course of this euros but Matt I'll come to you first before we get into that how have the euros been for you it's one of those things that we always seem to do whenever there's a tournament or we try to rank it against other tournaments but for me personally i think this has been a good one what's your impression on it
2: yeah i think it has i think it has i've enjoyed it i think certainly the the sort of start of the tournament where you get sort of three games every day you know it, it feels weird to only have two games on certain days i think that is that's the best part of a tournament isn't it it's just football wall to wall three games you can have it on as you're you're working as we're working from home at the moment and things like that and you can just sort of sit back and, and enjoy it i mean without wanting to go too much down this path because we've done it plenty of times in terms of of the England route. I'm kind of, I'm okay if they do well, obviously that's fine. But if they don't, it, it doesn't mean as much to me as it, it would with Liverpool. And I think that kind of helps me enjoy it as well. I know, you know, some people have kind of got really on board with the fact that England are, are now in the final, they've got all the way, there's been loads of stress and loads of pressure where I think, you know, for, for me, I can just sort of sit back and, and watch it and enjoy it, taking as much as I can and, yeah, that, that's the thing, really. I think it's it's tournament football, isn't it? It's meant to yeah. be fun. It's not meant to be a stressful experience. And I think that's how I found it this time.
1: No, that's, that's good. I mean, we are students of the game. I like to think all of us. So we can appreciate a good game of football without necessarily having to decipher one side or the other. I do think you're right there, Matt, regardless of how you feel about it. I think most of our listeners are expecting us to put an England position, so to speak, whether you are for or against. I'm very much like you, despite the fact that I grew up as an England fan. I would say it's probably fair to say it's lapsed over the years, but it's nice to be in that kind of in between where I'm not. You know, painting St George's cross on my face, but I can be pleased for the boys in in the in the, in the squad. James, how do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, no, I actually did a piece on this a couple of days ago, so I'll just plug that straight away. So, <laughs> um,
1: so, yeah. the boys on the ball, <laughs> I like it.
0: Yeah, you know me. um So yeah, check that out, guys. But um, but yeah, no, I, it's definitely a tricky one. I, I'm basically with you in the sense that I'm happy for them to do well. At least in my head, I'm supporting them, but it doesn't really translate into hugely passionate support or anything. And equally, if Jordan Pickford made a howler in the final, I would find it funny. So,
2: <laughs>
1: you know,
0: <laughs> I think I think that's the measure
1: of it, really. I mean, he came pretty close in the semi-final, so I think it's something to look out for. Yeah, like, from, from a Liverpool point of view. We haven't really had as many players at this tournament as we've had the previous ones. And I think most of us listening to this show, that's really what we do when a tournament's coming. We kind of look out for our own and see how they've gone. But, I mean, obviously we've got Jordan Henson in the final. We managed to get himself a goal. I would say there's only really other been Shaqiri who's kind of made an impact over the course of this, this tournament, when you say from a Liverpool perspective. But that's not really what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about future Liverpool players right now so this is going to be the premise of this part of the show you can pick anybody who has played or okay anyone who's been in the Euro squad we're not going to necessarily uh, work against someone if their international manager decided not to pick them and you, you can be Jurgen Klopp right now you can pick any one player from the Euros from any squad money is no object that's wages. That's transfer fee. That's that's the travel it takes to bring him here. Whatever you like, it does not matter. Who do you think is the mo- Would you have in the squad if you could have anyone, Matt? The floor is yours.
2: I think there's two that kind of immediately spring to mind for me, and I'm pretty certain that one of those is going to be picked by James. So I'll go with you. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with Killian and uh, He was in a Euro squad. Money is no object. I think that would be that would be the one. That would be the dream, wouldn't it? It's one that we kind of talk about as, well, possibly more hope than, than expectation that it might be realistic one day for Liverpool. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. But money, no object. Yeah, 100%. I think you'd, you'd take him for loads of obvious reasons. I think he'd be absolutely perfect for Liverpool. Obviously, he's spoken about Liverpool in the past. Mm-hmm. He's spoken about Jurgen Klopp. I think there's obviously quite a lot to, to like about him, but I think stylistically he'd fit in at, at Liverpool. The age that he's at, the quality he's got, he is for me, you know, better than, than Erling Haaland. I think if you had to pick between the two, I'd, I'd go for him. I think he is the one for the future, along with the other player, which I, I'll let, James yeah. in a second, which uh, I, I assume I, I won't well, give it away, but uh, I will. Well, no, please, please opinion. do give it away. Uh, because- no, I, I like
1: this. I, I, we can now see if James was actually going to say that. So maybe you should. No, I wouldn't say you both say it at the same time because that's really <laughs> bad for listeners. But I think I think I trust you enough to be honest when you say it. So, Matt, you tell me who you think James is going to say, and then James will see if it's true.
2: Similar to James's first answer, James wrote a piece on this player a couple of days ago um, and he is an unbelievable footballer. I think one of the standout players at the tournament and that is Pedri from Spain.
1: Mm. Yeah, you know what? I kind of like the look of Pedri as well, I'm not going to lie. So James, has he reached inside your head and pulled (laughs) out the answer? Well, well, no, I'm glad he told me who I was supposed to be saying.
0: Because, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest with you, the one in my head was his first answer, Kylian Mbappe, because uh, I mean, when you make money no object and make that the rules, I think most Liverpool fans, their minds are going to go to Mbappe. But well, I say Liverpool fans, I think most fans of any club, though. he is the standout talent in the game today. He's still so young, has the potential to dominate for you know a decade to come and if you look at the Liverpool squad at the moment, you'd probably say the area where it's most important to strengthen is another attacker, especially with the, the age profile of the existing ones. But I, I won't spend too long on Mbappe because, you know, we've already done him. So, yeah, I'll take Petri, why not? Um, <laughs> I, I do really like the look of him. And, of course, with them leaving as well, there is that, mm-hmm. that element of wanting to strengthen the midfield. You've got Thiago, who's 30, Henderson, 30 or 31. So, yeah, it's, it's another one where we do want to be looking towards the future. And again, he's one where it does seem like he is the future. It's, he's already so reminiscent of, of Iniesta, for example. And just that that ability to make things happen from the middle. All of his passes are hit with such purpose. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I know we're going to move on to kind of realistic ones soon, but there is that element of Barcelona in a mess. Maybe there's something that could be done. So yeah, I mean, I am very excited about Pedri. Yeah. Um, Maybe second to Mbappe, but I, I do like him a lot.
1: <laughs> I mean, being second to Mbappe is a pretty good place to be if <laughs> for Pedri. And I mean, I think lots of us were excited about him. Uh, the semi-final, obviously, he's become famous now that he played the first 90 minutes without uh, working, well, completing every single pass that he attempted, which is insane because they weren't all five-yard passes, let me tell you. So, like you say, the age profile of the guy, the fact that we have got few of our stalwarts in midfield who are maybe two to three years away from having to move on. So he's going to have time to learn at their feet, get into that fantastic central midfield finishing school that we've got. And it, I see it being perfect. My answer is a little bit like yours and maybe even a little bit like Matt's, actually, somewhere in the middle in terms of potential and experience. But it's a little bit more pragmatic. It's a little bit maybe not as fancy and flashy as going for the big fancy forward. But I would go for Joshua Kimmich. And this is for two reasons. One, obviously, he's a fantastic player. He can play in midfield. Uh, he can play a full back as well. He's a leader in that Bayern Munich team. And he's someone who's had a very strong mentality. He's had to play under a lot of different kinds of coaches and adapt to lots of different tactical things. So I think, again, if you're looking for the future of Liverpool, he's going to be someone who will be able to adapt to wherever it goes. And yes, it's not as sexy as looking for a new striker, but we do need cover for our fullbacks. And I think because of the nature of who our fullbacks are, if we're really going to ask a good quality player to play as our backup fullback, he needs to really have another option of playing somewhere else in the team as well. Otherwise, we're not going to get someone who's that good who plays that little. So Kimmich might be the man to solve those problems. So maybe a slightly bit more pragmatic than the fanciful guys above me. But hey, we need it takes all kinds, really. Do you not think, Matt?
2: Yeah, no, I'd be well up for that. I think, um, you know, we we kind of went for the, the more obvious, the flashy ones, as you say. But yeah, Joshua Kimmich an exceptional player. And I think you know, he's he's one that it, it wouldn't be realistic in terms of I don't think he'd want to, to leave Bayern. And they certainly wouldn't want to lose him. But again, you know, you, you look at all of these players and I think, you know, at some point in the future, if you said to them, would you quite fancy playing for Liverpool? Would you like to play for Jurgen Klopp? We do have to, to sort of think of, of Liverpool as being at that sort of level now. I think it's it's almost, it's easy to forget that sometimes, I think, because obviously we focus so much on Liverpool. But you know Liverpool are, are right up there with PSG, with Bayern, with Barcelona, Real Madrid. It's not completely out of the question, I don't think.
1: No, and I think the people, the players in the Bayern dressing room more than most will value and respect the quality of this Liverpool team because, I mean, they know how it feels to get beaten by them quite easily, as it turned out at the Allianz Arena a couple of seasons ago. So yeah, I think it's not quite as fanciful as it may well be. You're right, I think Bayern are gonna be trying their damnedest to keep hold of him forever. But you never know, Nagelsmann's quite combustible. He might start an argument and then, hey, look where we are. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. OK, so let's come back out of the clouds for now. We've all had our little fun. Now it's time to be a little bit more pragmatic because the chances are Liverpool are going to be signing more players in this transfer window. And as we mentioned, there are a lot of quality players at the Euros, a lot of people putting themselves in the shop window. So the second part of this question is going to be, who do you think is the most likely player at the Euros for Liverpool to sign? Not target, but sign. And because I've made that distinction, I'm allowing one of you to say no one. You can't both say no one. Otherwise, this bit is terrible. <laughs> so, James, I'm going to start with you this time. Who do you think is our most likely target in this
0: um, Well, I'll leave you the option, Matt, because I'm not going to say no one. Uh, I'm going to say uh, <laughs> G- Jeremy Doku. Um, the, the club liked him as like a 15-year-old. That's well reported. He's done nothing to put them off. In the meantime, he's looked very impressive. Stayed an extra season in Belgium when when Liverpool were first interested. Then he's moved on to Rennes in Ligue 1 and looked very good. Uh, he's he's had some quotes about saying that you know if they like me, then I'm I have to be confident that they'll they'll come back for me again if I impress. And he has been impressing both in the league and particularly at the Euros when he's had had his cameos. Um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Apparently, Klopp said back in the day that he could be a potential Mane successor. That was a more kind of pie in the sky thing at the time. But now we're at that stage where we are looking towards the Mane successor. So it's he'll be thinking about that question with a bit more urgency now, I would think.
1: And and yeah, I think I think Doku has a, a big chance of being high up that mm-hmm. list. It's an interesting one, Matt Doku, isn't it? Because I think if you look at his club career last season wasn't quite as good as the season before where Ren finished in the Champions League places. But in some ways, that makes him a more enticing prospect for Liverpool and you know, Jürgen Club, who are, let's face it, not really looking to play blockbuster money this summer, but maybe looking for good value. Maybe just the fact that he's kind of shied away from people's eyes a little bit has brought him back into our price range.
2: Yeah, I think so. I think you know a few people were kind of saying he's turned Liverpool down in the past. maybe that would put them off. But I kind of think of it as being the other way of I think it was a really really mature decision, a really mm-hmm. sort of you know I think from what I've read and, and from what I kind of understand that it, it sort of seems like, his father was pretty keen for him to go to Liverpool at the time. Maybe his parents thought, you know, well, oh, Liverpool, this might not come back again. Maybe it's a good chance to, to go there. But it was kind of him himself at the age of 15 that was kind of saying, well, actually, I could go somewhere else. Then I could come there. Once I've played a bit more, I've made that step up to senior football. And that seems to be exactly what he's done. I mean, I've not seen a huge amount of him other than at the Euros. I think he's been really impressive whenever he's played for, mm-hmm. for Belgium. But... I just think that maturity, that sort of ability to, to take a step back at the age of, of 15 and look at the wider picture for your career, I think, if anything, Liverpool would sort of see that as a positive thing. And like you say, the, the valuation isn't going to be the same as you know some of these other players. It's not going to be in the same bracket as a, an Mbappe or, or someone like that. It's going to be you know a much smaller fee. It's going to be smaller wages. I think for him, the question would be, is he going to get enough game time for himself at this stage is a similar sort of situation to, to four years ago where he was thinking you know that there's still a little bit of a path but I think as long as Liverpool get rid of a couple of players if they can move on Origi and Shakiri there is going to be that space and you know yeah the opportunity to become Sadio Mane's long-term successor I think that would be you know a, a difficult thing to turn down for a player who's now at an age where it is actually realistic
1: yeah it, it is and I always think it's funny when a player particularly a fifteen year old has more faith in himself than his parents, which <laughs> is quite wild but uh, you make an interesting point there i mentioned that i think in a strange way him being in the squad and Origi not being in the squad actually makes it harder because if Origi had been there then someone might have bought him I don't know anyway so who is your pick anyway matt we've, we've talked about matt James's now who's yours
2: yeah, um, I, I promise this is not based on one free kick against England, but my pick is, is Mikael <laughs> yeah, rather. Um I think he's one that I'd picked out and I, I was really excited actually to see him against England at Wembley on that big stage to kind of see how he coped with it. He only turned 21 earlier this week and I think, you know, he wasn't on the pitch for, for as long as I thought he might have been. I think they took him off slightly too early, to be honest, but... I think he was was one of those that, that did really impress, obviously, the free kick. But the other parts of it as well, I think, in that kind of, of atmosphere, that sort of occasion. I know, obviously, he's played for, for Sampdoria for a season. He's played in Serie A. It's not like he's just appeared out of nowhere. But I think... You know to, to be that good on that sort of stage i think was was a really sort of telling sign really of, of the promise that he has and yeah i think that the price tag may well have gone up a little bit off the back of, of these euros i think they bought him for about six or seven million euros last summer they're going to make you know a significant amount on that but i think you know sort of a 40 million euro ish thing that wouldn't be you know, completely out of the question for, for mm-hmm. liverpool and i think There was some sort of quotes i think from their chief executive or director of football or whatever kind of saying you know look he's had such a good euros there is going to be interest there's a good chance that we do lose him i think there's a good chance that the dams does move on this summer and i think it would kind of make sense for liverpool i've spoken in the past about you know replacing one album in terms of a body but not necessarily like for like maybe it's an Mm -hmm. opportunity to do something a bit different i think dams definitely would do that and i think the other interesting thing as well is the fact that he is so young. You can kind of mould him. We know that the Liverpool's first choice midfield next season, when they're all fit, will be Henderson, Fabinho, and Thiago. He's not going to come in and instantly go. I have to play. You know, instead no. of of Henderson or Thiago, he's one that you can kind of take your time with, develop him as you want. I think he can play in, in the front three as well. So he's he's got that versatility. I think, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot going for him, and I've been very excited watching.
1: That does make an interesting point, Matt, actually. I think we've seen sometimes when we've been linked with certain players who haven't necessarily obviously fit into our system, We the, the question is always, well, are we looking to change our system? Are we looking to adapt? And yet there's been times in the past where it looked like potentially that's going to happen. And then there's just nothing that comes with it. And maybe Jürgen Klopp's seen something in that player that says, no, you can play in my system. Now, James, you wrote another piece very similar to this a couple of days ago. It's been like a bit of a theme here, talking about the idea of Jurgen Klopp and how flexible his system may be based off a different Danish player. Now, do you think that this could be something we see him do? We have played kind of similar for quite some time now. It might be around the time, particularly after something what happened last season, start thinking that maybe some teams are sizing us up a bit too easily and it's time to start branching out.
0: I mean, you'll be shocked to hear that I've also written an article on Damsgaard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah, I, I pick up on what Matt was saying in that regard, in the sense that he has played in a lot of positions, which is an appeal in itself. Um, He's played left wing, right wing, and then more withdrawn, left mid, right mid, and then a few games in central midfield as well. So definitely in the Vinaldum mould in that respect, and one, one who could be shaped into, into the role which which Vinaldum settled into with Liverpool. But yeah, I do think in terms of the formation question, it's something that I'd hope Klopp's at least thinking about. Um, to be honest, what I was suggesting, I don't see happening necessarily. I was saying the three-five-two, or not necessarily 5-2, but 3 at the back would be an interesting one to experiment with, mainly from a personnel perspective in the sense that we do now have a lot of world-class centre-backs, especially when everyone's back from injury. So just in terms of fitting all of our best players into a starting eleven. Uh, And then you look at the profile of someone like a Matip who loves those kind of amusing, striding runs out from the back. I'd love him as a third centre-back where he's just got the freedom to do whatever the hell he wants in that respect. Um, And of course, even more freedom for the full-backs if they're wing-backs. That's an exciting prospect given that they're already racking up crazy assist numbers. Um, I don't think Klopp will do that, but I do think you make a good point in terms of mixing things up. We don't want to get figured out as a team. Mm even if that's just the little tweak from a 4-3-3 to more of a 4-2-3-1. I know it's been talked about a lot and it just has never really come to fruition. But maybe this is the season. Who knows? Klopp's played it before. It was his favourite mm. formation at Dortmund. He's occasionally done it with Liverpool, not for any stretches of time. But but yeah, I think it's possible, particularly if we do sign another striker. Donya Marlin's been linked. So maybe if Firmino is moved back into that number 10 role, certainly it's something I'd be
1: interested to see. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to have to start playing around with things like this. Like the 4-2-3-1, I remember vividly tw- the beginning of 2019-20, I think it was. Oh no, 18 19, the season before. Fabinho and Shakiri's first season, where we did play a lot, almost as a way of integrating the two of them who were taking their time to kind of get to grips with the system. So it was more just like an ease of use until they got used to what we were doing and then they switched back. But you're right, I think this might be something a little bit more potentially permanent. Again, you look at the African Cup of Nations on the horizon, and although from the schedule of the Premier League, it's actually worked out quite well for Liverpool in terms of the games they're actually going to miss, it is still a month of play. So it might be an opportunity to look at doing something a little bit different. Now, my pick is probably someone who's a little bit more obvious than the two of you. I've picked someone who has been in the news quite a lot and there are quite a few stories about him on Liverpool.com as well. Monato Sanchez. I know it's obvious. I know it feels like, you know, the hot hot new thing at the time. But in my defence, and anyone who knows me from before the show can go back and check because it's all there. (laughs) I've been talking about this fella for quite some time and I felt like he would be a perfect... A replacement for Genie, not just because of the way he plays. I just think that he's got the ability to grow into a role and to adapt and to evolve into something that we've not even really seen yet in the Liverpool side. In a, a similar way to what Genie did, in much of the player that we thought we were getting didn't turn out to be the player we got. We got a better version. I think that the same with him. I think in a similar way to Salah, much like was written in the piece. The fact that he's already had one full start in this country is actually in his benefit rather than against him because he will know exactly what everybody's expecting of him and he will be absolutely determined to prove that not to be the case. And I just think that he's one of those guys who gets people off their seat and we need as many of them in the team as possible, I think, personally
2: yeah I think it's it's an option isn't it it's I think there's there's a couple of things that that would worry me slightly I think one is the injuries I think that's that's not necessarily been in his favor now mm. you might say the same thing about someone like Ibrahim Konate, for example and Liverpool might look at it and decide actually you know it's it's nothing to worry about there's no issue but that would be that would be one problem I think you know the the echo reporters have, have kind of looked into it I think you know Ian Doyle sort of inquired you know as to whether Renato Sanchez would be you know an option and the answer kind of was well the cost that, that it would take maybe Liverpool mm. are, are not looking to spend that sort of money I think it's one of those where I think you, you you could do a deal for him but he's again he's not going to come into that midfield straight away I think I don't I'm not completely sold on him for, for those for those two reasons but uh, mm. I, I can certainly see I can certainly see the attraction of him anyway
1: yeah. well Permit me to put a rebuttal to your rebuttal. <laughs> With the injuries, I do think that it's one of those things where you look at the numbers on a screen and it looks bad. But I do think, if you think about the way Lille played a lot last season, the weapons that they actually had in midfield and the way that Gautier wanted this side to set up, a lot of those games that he missed, he probably could have played, but it was more a case of Gautier wanting him to sit out and get better rather than rushing him back. And he's still young enough to be able to overcome those issues. That's, that's my, that's my feelings on all of it. Whenever someone says someone's injury prone, I'm always like, they're young, you know, they can get, I mean, modern medicine these days, I mean, (laughs) I probably couldn't recover from some of these injuries, but you know, these are fit young guys. I feel like it's not something that's going to be an issue regarding minutes. Again, I think that might be something that works in our favour, the fact and his favour, the fact that he wouldn't necessarily have to demand a place in the forward in the in the first team week in week out. I don't think he would. I think that he wasn't playing absolutely every week at Lille, who although they won the title are obviously a step below Liverpool in terms of global quality and global name. So I think that he would be comfortable integrating himself into that squad slowly in a kind of similar way to what Navigator was hopefully going to do and never really quite did. But anyway, we'll have to wait and see on that score. The Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Last thing about the Euros 2020, um, we do have some players at the tournament, as I mentioned at the top of the show, and there's a couple of them who we may well be letting go of. I don't think we're letting go of Thiago nor Henderson. Uh, There's Harry Wilson, who played for Wales, admittedly, quite sporadically. Nico Williams, who played a little bit more. And the Power Cube himself, Jordan Shakiri. Now, James, you can probably tell by the fact that I called him the Power Cube. I'm semi-reluctant to see him leave. He did another fantastic job at the tournament. He is the archetypal tournament player. I think he was one of the ones who we signed after a tournament who went really well. And he scored at every single one he's been at. But are these goals Fools Gold? Do we think that he has now become uh, valuable enough to sell or valuable enough to keep? I
0: think probably... Valuable enough to sell. It breaks my heart because I'm in the same camp as you. I love Sheldon Shakiri, mm-hmm. one of my favourite Liverpool players to watch. Just especially at for Switzerland, he's that kind of exciting player. He has the freedom, almost looks like he's doing everything just at his own pace. Um, but whilst that's really fun to watch, it's also kind of a problem in the Liverpool system. It's it's a bit of a square peg in a round hole. Sometimes that's good. It means he can offer something a bit different, and we have seen it. You know, in in spells where he's made a difference has come in with some big goals the united Games springs to mind even though they were both deflected efforts it was trying to make it happen and ultimately did um and he's had longer stretches where he's looked like he can make an impact but i do think if his very good euros campaign has has boosted that price up a bit it probably makes sense to cash in it's another one where you're looking at age profile you're looking at how much realistically will he play probably not loads so if it's a case of the money from him could go halfway to someone like Adoku, who's, you know, a decade is junior. Then I think,
1: sadly, it does make sense, much, much as I love him as a player. It is sad, but I mean, this is football. This is generally what happens. Even the best of players get old and eventually aren't the best anymore. But there's also a lot of talk about, about Harvey Elliott, of course, who did very well last season coming back into the squad's uh, we mentioned the fact that Docu's come on. Now, there's been another piece released recently. not sure who wrote this one, talking about how difficult it is to assess fringe players. And you never really know when the right time is to sell. But is this the right time to sell?
2: I think it is, yeah. I think it's, to be honest, I think with with one or two of these players, Harry Wilson, for example, I think the right time to sell may well have already passed. I think probably last summer would have been the time, had it not been for the pandemic, possibly even the summer before that, you know, if Bournemouth were were interested or prepared to throw 20 million or however much they, probably even more than that, to be honest with it being Bournemouth, but however much they wanted to to throw at Liverpool, I think that would have have been the time for, for those sorts of players. In terms of Shaqiri, I think, James absolutely nails it. I think you'd be pretty happy to, to see him stick about. It wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But ultimately, if Liverpool are going to make more transfers this summer, which, as we all know, that is what Liverpool fans are desperate for, especially yeah. in that sort of forward line, if that's going to happen. I think it's it's going to have to, to happen after certain Shakiri has gone, probably Origi as well, possibly Minamino if an offer came in. You can't have everyone. I think Harvey Elliott's an interesting one as well. I think... <laughs> I would rather have Harvey Elliott having those minutes than Zerdan Shakiri. As much mm-hmm. as I would love to to watch Shakiri, I think you know Harvey Elliott is capable of of doing a similar job in in sort of bits and pieces. And I think obviously long term his ceiling is is way higher. So yeah, the, the, there's just too many players at the moment, and unfortunately, if if you've got to to sacrifice one of them, I think it makes sense to sacrifice one that you can probably get. 13 or 14 million for rather than someone like Arigi, where the interest I think is, is gonna struggle.
1: I mean, let's face it, Matt, is gonna be at the club forever. I think we need <laughs> to just reconcile ourselves to the fact that he's gonna be getting a 20-year testimonial. He's probably gonna start driving the bus to, like, to Kirby when he retires. He's gonna be around forever. I mean, I'm okay with it, it's fine. But you're right. I think the fact that Shakiri has made himself so valuable has probably forced Liverpool's hand. He probably will be the one to go. And I think it's fair to say he'll go with all of our best wishes. Now, I wanted to do a little bit about Liverpool and signing players off the back of tournaments. As we were talking about Shaqiri, he's probably the last time you could say we really did it. And even that was mainly because of his release clause. But that in itself is a point, the fact that Liverpool don't really tend to do this. We're not quite as much a flavour of the month type club when it comes to our signings, James. I think that that's a good thing, personally. How do you feel about it?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's just the way the modern game has gone. Certainly a club like Liverpool, where the recruitment is such a key part of the operation. I mean, it's not so much the money ball we were expecting when FSG Mm. came in, but it is that sort of similar thinking in terms of buying smart, rather than necessarily spending hugely on, like you say, whoever the flavour of the month is. So, yeah, any targets who've looked good at the Euros, they will already have been targets for Liverpool. I think we can say that fairly safely. And, yeah, it can't be anything other than a good thing, I don't think, because it's very easy for a bad player to look good in the space of three weeks. But it's quite hard for the opposite to be true. If someone's looked good over the course of a season and then underperformed at the Euros, you still think, OK, they're a good player. Um, So, yeah, I think it's just the the markings of of a smart team. So... Much as it would be exciting if we you know, dropped 80 million on whoever looked best at the Euros, I don't think it's it's the smart way of, of operating. And yeah, it's, it's not really how Liverpool work at least anymore.
1: No, James makes a good point there. It's one of those times where you're really glad that football clubs don't make their decisions based off of Twitter. Because if you look at Twitter, then what you were saying before about the idea of someone who we've linked with if they have a bad game, if someone has not seen that person except their name linked with Liverpool and then the first time they get to see them is 13 minutes off the bench when they're already 2-0 down and they don't really get the ball, then suddenly they become a terrible player. And I don't know about you guys, but that's one of the parts of football discourse I find quite exhausting.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, if we hadn't signed Thiago yet, I think off the back of his, his Euros in Spain,
1: nobody would want him. But like, yeah, it's one of them, yeah. I think that luckily the people who do this job for a living uh, are paying more attention than most of us. And But that's not to say that they're all faultless. I mean, in my agenda, I did put down about times when Liverpool got it wrong, signing players after tournaments. Um, I think we can all cast our minds back to the early noughties, perhaps after a certain tournament in Japan and Korea, where there was a certain tall Frenchman who we all wanted the club to sign and the club went in a different direction. Um, Matt, as I said, I don't really want to say the guy's name, but it is proof that sometimes you have to take the more pragmatic approach when it comes to these things.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Liverpool would would do nothing like that these days, would they? It's it's just the the complete opposite of of the strategy. I'm going to be honest with you, Mo. I think myself and, and James are, are too young to remember that. To be honest, <laughs> so you're you're probably going to have to to take the floor in terms of of these players that you're talking about. But uh, yeah, no. Look, in terms of of this summer, I think it, it, it's almost that you can you can go further than Liverpool are not going to sort of take any notice of. Of, of what happens at the Euros I mean they they just look over such a, a long period of time if, if anything I think if they were going to sign a player who they thought was going to have a good Euros they would have done it before the tournament started because obviously we know that the price tags will inflate so yeah it's 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 almost the case of will they sign anyone from the Euros I, I almost think the answer is is probably not because if they were going to they probably would have already done it.
1: That's a good point. I mean, it kind of makes the last half hour a little bit obsolete. <laughs> but you know what? We've had fun anyway. It's fine. And anyway, I'm not as old as I look. I will tell you that also. But for those of you who aren't sure who I'm talking about, all I will say is he came from Senegal. He liked to spit and we did not like him. So, okay, final thing before we wrap this show up. We talked about the Euros. They haven't finished. So I have to ask you the ultimate question. Matt, James, one word. Who's winning the tournament? Matt, you first. Italy. James? England. Ooh, I've got the deciding vote. I love it. Um, I think actually England are going to win. And I think that with life is probably not going to be the same for at least another 10 days or so. And then Liverpool sign someone and we'll all get our sanity back. Yeah.
2: In, in my defence, I think it will be very, very close, and I think England's home advantage is going to be a, a big thing as well. I think if if it wasn't at Wembley, I think a lot of people would say Italy. I think the fact that it's at Wembley gives gives England a chance. I think it'd be a really good game, to be honest, and yeah. it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if it went to penalties. But I think uh, I think Italy might win.
1: I'm expecting it to go to penalties, but I'm expecting it to go all the way. Uh, I'm expecting Jordan Pickford to win the tournament with a Penenka that comes off the bar, completely erasing all his fears of crossbars from some incident that happened in the derby not that long ago. But whatever happens, Matt, you're right, it's going to be fun to watch. And this has been fun to talk. So thank you very much for making my maiden voyage an enjoyable one. Matt, James... And everybody listening, see you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.